Welcome to episode 9 of the Fucking Monarchs Podcast. I'm Ja Rule. And I'm Bobby the Brainless, as usual. And, uh, you know, a really cool week, uh, WWE TV. Uh, once again, Cruiserweight Classic hits it out of the park to me. Uh, Raw had some uh, little interesting things leading up, uh, you know, there are a couple of weeks, well, now uh, a week away from their uh, pay-per-view, I can't even remember which one it is. Clash of Champions. That's right, Clash of Champions. They should just call it Clash of the Champions, but that's you call neither your, here nor there. And you call yourself a mark. Hey, I, I've had a lot happen this week, so my brain, it, uh, I'm brainless also. Hey, that's my gimmick. You don't steal my gimmick. <laughs> All right, so, you know, we, we uh, started off raw. You know what? Similar to uh, the week before with SmackDown, they had the ladies' forefront. They were, you know, off the top of the show, and I thought uh, did pretty well for themselves as far as, like, advancing their storyline for Clash of Champions and adding a little bit of intrigue. And the one thing that really stuck out to me, Jay, is how well Dana Brooke has been getting as one of the female competitors on the Raw for, well, the, rest, I think for the women's division. she Every week she's getting better and better, and I'm actually starting to become one of her fans. So I'm really happy that she's getting these opportunities, as well as Bailey. Obviously, Sasha's going to get those opportunities because she's Sasha, but... Well, I mean, for me, I think Dana Brooke, the character, has gotten better. I don't know how great she is in the ring, but she's definitely stepped up her game as far as character. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't completely embarrass herself in the ring. It's not like 10 years ago where you had uh, supermodels who were afraid to hit the ropes. So, you know, good for her. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, what they did is they ended up setting up a triple threat to decide who is going to go for... Charlotte's uh, title, and whoever won that match was, it, it was weird, because like the week before they had Sasha set up to go against Charlotte in Clash of Champions, and then this week, it, it was weird that they kind of like took it back, because you saw all of a sudden they had taken down all advertising of Charlotte versus Sasha at Clash of Champions, and it was like, alright, is Sasha still hurt? What's going on? And they set up this match, obviously Sasha is not hurt. They just wanted to have a match for Raw, which, again, a little weird storyline-wise. They set up a match, and then they take the match away, and then they, they set the this up. Back. So, I, But you know what? The match itself, it was good. It was fine. The story, the storyline they did was stupid, but the match itself was good, and, you know, Sasha won again, so... The, the, the one thing about the match that stuck out was the fact that a lot of the marks on on the internet, the trolls and everything were saying, like, well, you know, Sasha's shoulders were also down when Bailey was getting pinned, you know, so maybe it should have been, like, a double pin, so it would have been a triple threat. It's all because they love Bailey and they just want her to have the opportunity to be one of the main competitors in the women's division, which I, I can't, you know, argue with that because Bailey is very talented, deserves the opportunity, but she's going to get her... She's going to get her chances. It's going to take some time. I mean, Sasha was with the company over a year, you know, on the main roster, I'm sorry, over a year before she finally got that opportunity. Well, the thing here that I thought was interesting is Sasha pinned Bailey, and before the match, like, you know, when Bailey made her debut, she debuted on the main roster as Sasha's uh, mystery tag team partner. And here, like, you know, they're they were still kind of friendly, but Sasha's like, going, no, I'm going for the title. I don't care if you're in my way or not. Right. And they kind of sowed the seeds with the fact that it was Sasha pinning Bailey, and it was 
I wouldn't say not legit, but you know, came in and pinned her and when I think Bailey uh had Dana Brooke pinned and Sasha ended up taking her out and getting the pin. So I think they're still going to be friendly, but I think you're going to see this is like the start of something that's going to lead to them at WrestleMania wrestling for the title. Oh, I could definitely see something like that happening, especially with those two. They had an unbelievable match at last year's NXT Brooklyn, the NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. And then they had the Iron Woman match a few months later, which was pretty awesome too. So the fact that those two could potentially fight at WrestleMania would be excellent. But as of right now, it's it's Sasha being the, the forefront with Charlotte to get her title back at Clash of Champions. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. So, you, you know, there were other things going on with Raw beside that. Uh, that was very prominent, so I, I, I appreciated that. One of my favorite segments of the week, though, is uh, Chris Jericho at Sami Zayn on the highlight reel. <laughs> it, there was just so much spectacular stuff with this. Anytime you get Jericho in there, it's just awesome. Oh, I agree with that. Um, obviously, when especially when Jericho has somebody on the highlight reel, you know that some kind of shenanigans is going to happen, whether a potted plant makes an appearance or he smashes somebody's face into the Jeritron 3000. 3, you know, it's always for good uh, television this week, you know, he, he did his thing with, with Sami Zayn and they got into an argument like they always do on that show. And then Jericho blasted him with a cell phone. Oh, it, w- it was, uh, right out of Paul E. Dangerously, his, uh, playbook from, uh, back in the 80s, early 90s, which, uh, for all you marks out there who aren't sure who we're talking about, Paul E. Dangerously, that is also, uh, to the modern day fans, Paul Heyman. He used to be Pauly dangerously, and he had a giant cell phone, a la Zach Morris. God damn it, you beat me to it. Uh, but, yeah, Jericho takes the cell phone, smashes Zane, but Zane had an awesome zinger probably like 20 seconds before that where, you know, Jericho has been going on and on about being Owen's best friend, and Zane goes, you're just Kevin Owen's bitch. Yeah, that was... Pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it was a great moment for Zane because I mean, you know, Zane going in there and holding his own uh, with somebody so awesome on the mic like Jericho, it was good to see that because Zane is more known for what he does in the ring, not for his mic skills. But he's, it's not like he's one of the worst guys on the microphone. He can hold his own on the microphone. He just lets his wrestling actions speak for him. Uh, so. Great segment. Uh, enjoyed it. I think it's uh, going to be Sammy. I think Sammy Zayn uh, against Jericho at Clash of Champions is officially signed. So it, w- it was good. It brought that story forward. And, you know, Zayn and Jericho is going to be awesome. I agree. So, you know, we got the, the Sheamus Cesaro best of seven. You know, Sheamus went up three to nothing. Cesaro got a win uh, in their the non-televised match. And here they had match number five. And just like I thought, Cesaro won. And what the what the chicken shit heel move, by the way? Hey, you you know what? He, you know, this whole thing I think is set up to get Cesaro over. Whether it's as a heel or as a face, I don't really care as long as he goes over and looks strong. I'm just excited because it's starting to look more and more like it's going to be Cesaro getting that Red Sox Yankees ALCS 2004 feel to it. Where Sheamus was up three games, you know, three matches to none, and then Cesaro could come back and win it four straight to win the best of seven series four to three. And 
I really do hope he wears like a David Ortiz jersey for the the seventh match because I think that would be fitting. It would be interesting. I don't know if he'll do that. I don't know how much of a baseball fan he is, but it it would be interesting. And I'm still pulling that they'll do some sort of like brawl for like that last match, whether it's outside, you know, the arena or whether it's actually inside. I would prefer outside the arena, a la Fit Finley and uh, Lord Stephen Regal from all those years ago. At the time, I think he was Lord William Regal, but that's neither here nor there. It's also interesting that it, the way it's set up right now, that if it actually does go to that seventh match, the seventh match will probably end up being at Clash of Champions, because if they fight uh, match six, I keep wanting to say game, but they fight match six on Raw this week, then they're definitely going to have match seven be part of Clash of Champions pay-per-view, which would make a lot of sense. Although, you know, the whole thing of it being a Clash of Champions pay-per-view is usually just nothing but title matches. But They can't do that with the brand split. But, I mean, that this this could have been one of those pay-per-views that they did a combined show because it's Clash of Champions. It's not about who's on Raw and who's on SmackDown. It's about the champions. It should be all the champions for both shows should be on the line. Um, you know, I'm just sitting here because I'm upset about it. Regardless, I just, I, I feel like, you know, because... It's I, too soon to have... Uh, you know, combined pay-per-view. They just had one at SummerSlam. They just had SmackDown's first. They should have probably changed the name of it. Yeah, that's that's my personal opinion. Is if they're going to do it, they should have had this be like No Mercy or Over the Limit or whatever stupid pay-per-view name they could have came up with instead of Clash of Champions. But one thing I'll say though is the winner of this Sheamus Cesaro feud gets a title shot, so it kind of fits into Clash of Champions. Right. So it makes sense then. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting, like the uh, the Nia Jax match uh, this week on Raw, she went against Alicia Fox, and they actually built that story up. You know, not a big story, a small story, where, like, Alicia Fox brought in her friend who, you know, was an indie worker, who got absolutely squashed by Nia Jax and went looking for Nia Jax, like, the week before on Raw, ends up getting her butt kicked backstage. So uh, Alicia trying to, you know help her friend out and kind of defend her, decides that she's going to call out Nia Jax, and she she got deposited pretty quickly by Nia Jax and beat up pretty good. Like, oh, she, got, she took a nasty bump, too. She went right through the barricade and everything. It's, you know, it's really putting over Nia Jax. I really am interested to see how this goes, if she's going to get a title shot and sometime in the foreseeable future. I don't know if it's going to be after this whole... Sasha Banks and Charlotte thing? Are they going to put Bailey in that position? Are they going to put Nia Jax in that position? If that's what they're going to do with Nia Jax, then they're doing all the right things. So, I, I like that. Uh, Something I didn't like was the fact that they had Bo Dallas fight another jobber and pre- pretty much a forgettable moment about Raw, so I'm just going to leave well, it at yeah, that. Yeah, we won't even talk anymore about that. So, uh, we had Gallows <laughs> and Anderson uh, going against New Day. Uh they defeated the New Day, uh, and it was the New Day. The you know it was Xavier Woods and, and Kofi, Kingston. Kofi Kingston. The 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 version of the New Day that they lost to at SummerSlam because of outside interference. Oh, they won at SummerSlam because they won by disqualification because of. Big oh right, e. right, 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 right. Because of uh, what's his name, John Stewart and Biggie. John Stewart was forgettable about that though. Uh, so, you know, with this, you know, they're setting up. They're sowing the seeds for maybe Anderson and Gallows to finally win uh, the titles. We'll see. Although they keep on bringing up demolition lately, so maybe you know 
WWE has this thing where they absolutely freaking love to kind of beat these old records and the fact that the guys from Demolition are part of a lawsuit against them. I, I don't know if they're going to have them beat that record or not. Usually they like to do that just like they did with AJ Lee having the title for so long, and they're like, well, she left the company on bad terms. We're going to beat her streak, and they're going to beat this person's streak and this person's streak. So I don't know if they're going to be vindictive about this or, you know, they're actually going to finally pull the trigger and have Gallows and Anderson win. Uh, I hope they do. And I was very happy to hear that uh, allegedly WWE has erased all footage from the old day segment, the worst segment in several years. <laughs> I think it would have been interesting, especially if Finn Balor actually didn't get hurt and he was still Universal Champion with AJ Styles winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And then Anderson and Gallows could have won the tag team titles. Then the Bullet Club would have had for the major championships in the WWE, and it would have been, it would have been interesting because then they'd be like, oh, it's the Bullet Club. Well, and but, it kind of fe feeds into the story that they were kind of teasing, like when they first split them up, they're like going, oh, don't worry, you know, AJ's going to take over SmackDown Live, we're going to take over Raw, so be ready, world. That was kind of their thing. I think it's going to end up happening where Anderson and Gallows do walk out as the new tag team champions, especially with, um, you know, they just, you know, they've been switching the titles a, a lot recently, especially with Charlotte. You know, uh, AJ Styles just won the title last Sunday at Backlash. They just named new tag team champions on SmackDown with uh, the the one-man band and his BFF, the Rhino, winning the tag team titles. I think there's going to be another championship that's going to switch hands, and it's not going to be the Intercontinental title. Uh, so the last match of Raw... Uh Pretty good match, but it really was just kind of a place setter to really uh, get the Roman Reigns versus Rusev match on Clash of Champions. Because, like, there were things on social media where Rusev was actually talking about how he was going to be on his honeymoon. I think it was for, like... 21 a, days. He, he had, like, basically his honeymoon was going to last beyond Clash of Champions. And you were just, like, that's strange. He's a champion and he's not going to be on the show. And it, it seemed like... Yeah, this is just him messing with the audience, and uh, and lo and behold, Rusev shows up, costs Rain the Reigns the match, and beats the hell out of him. And if good it, booking to me, yeah, it was it was very good booking, wasn't that? If Reigns won, he was going to make it a triple threat match at Clash of Champions for the Universal Championship. So now it's just Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. He yeah. fought Kevin Owens too, didn't he? Yeah, he fought Owens. He fought Owens, and if he beat him, it would have, it would have made it a triple threat. Like you said, Rusev came out. He attacked Roman Reigns. Like They're obviously going to be setting up for Clash of Champions in a whose hair is wetter match between Rusev and Roman Reigns for the U.S. title. I think they did an awesome job with that. I know we've been very critical of them the last few weeks and everything, but they're starting to do this. They're doing this one right. Uh, the only thing I'm frightened of with this is they've done such a good job kind of rebuilding Rusev after, you know, he ran into the golden shovel of John Cena a couple of years ago <laughs> at WrestleMania, and Reigns is kind of the new new John Cena. I'm hoping that they don't use this as an opportunity to put Reigns over and have him the U.S. champion. Right. I hope that they, because Rusev, you know, beat him. He 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 beat Reigns more or less fair and square, and, you know, that's what happened with Rusev. Rusev beat John Cena fair and square, and then when R WrestleMania came around, Golden Shovel, 
and Rusev really was never quite the same. Right. And now he's kind of built himself back up as like this badass U.S. champion that mauls everybody. And I, and it's great because I, this is exactly what they needed to do with Rusev. They really needed to make him the uh, the workhorse, you know, brute of a force that he is. And I'm I'm actually happy. I I really am. Like I said before, and I'll say it again. You know, Rusev is starting to grow on me a little bit. I I I love his character. His I love his wife too, but. It's you know it's yeah exactly but I think this is excellent what they're doing with him and Roman Reigns. I really do hope that he goes over on Reigns. And I think right now it's perfect for Reigns too because yeah. you know a lot of the audience was crapping on Reigns. Not just not I I don't think he's bad in the ring. He he's pretty bad on the mic. But like it, it was just because he was being force fed to us. I I like the fact that finally you know they're putting him in this spot and hopefully he'll be able to build himself up. I agree. I I agree full heartedly with that. You know, especially with after, after the suspension that he just served, and then he came back and he was in the triple threat match at uh, SummerSlam. Was that SummerSlam? I think it was SummerSlam. No, uh, but he he SummerSlam lost the, was, was the Universal title. Yeah, yeah, no, that, was, it was, it was uh, Rollins and yeah, that was uh, the the pay per view before Backlash but, maybe. No, it wasn't Backlash. Backlash was the SmackDown pay Battleground. There you go, That's battleground. I knew it began with a letter B. All right, the, hey, you're not brainless. That it, it came around. They all they all begin with the letter B. Backlash, battleground, Bobby the brainless. You know, eventually I was going to come across it. All right, so I mean that was that was more or less raw. Uh, then we then we have uh, the blue brand SmackDown this week, which a uh, few interesting things happened. Um, I know a lot of people were excited about, you know, with Heath Slater and Rhino winning the tag team titles, that Slater was going to go on SmackDown and and sign his new contract, especially the week after he brought out all 47 kids of his with his his wife and Beulah. with Beulah, and you know they were they were very happy. And I was, you know, I'm happy for Heath Slater. They're, they did this very well with him, you know, with him being the free agent, him going on both shows just to try to get a contract. They did this. They knocked it out of the park. Well, and I think the thing that for me that is awesome about this is you've got Rhino in there, and Rhino is doing his best silent Bob impression. Like he sits there and says nothing. He makes funny faces and says like one line, and that's it. Yeah, and it, it's it's working. It's beautiful. It, it's 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 a it's a partnership that nobody thought was actually going to materialize into anything, and it's been better than anybody could have expected. Absolutely. And, you know, he would have signed that contract, too, except that the Ascension, the worst tag team in WWE history... The Ascension descended upon the ring. And they challenged them for the tag team titles. Rhino and Heath Slater were victorious in retaining the tag team championships, but Heath Slater never signed the contract. I don't know if that's going to be something that they're going to add on to in the upcoming weeks, or if it's just like, all right, he's under contract, whatever. But he did not officially sign his SmackDown contract on Tuesday. I thought that was rather interesting. Honestly, I think uh, my, my hope is that this week uh, he gets his contract signed, and it's when they go to his double wide with his above ground pool, with all of his kids <laughs> swimming into it, in the pool, and would be fantastic. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Another interesting thing that happened this week. Uh, I found it interesting. We, we didn't talk about this, but on Raw, Jinder Mahal defeated Jack Swagger, which kind of led into the story of Jack Swagger has now been traded or switched brands or whatever. 
He's now on SmackDown Live. Yeah, they were talking about it in the background. He was, you know, they were cutting an interview and they were asking him about his contract and he goes, I don't want to talk about it. And he kind of just like shrugged it off and walked away. And then, um, Baron Corbin was beating up, uh, uh, Apollo Crews. I'm sorry. He was beating Apollo up Apollo Creed. Yeah, Apollo Fate. Creed, Apollo Crews. Whatever. <laughs> you know, he, he attacked him. They didn't even have a match. And then the All American American comes out and he, confronted Baron Corbin and Corbin just kind of like got out of the ring and walked away and Jack Swagger is like now I'm part of the blue, uh, the blue brand and you know I'm I'm actually happy for Swagger this is an opportunity for him you know going to Smackdown because you're going to get lost in the shuffle on Monday Night Raw because it's all about Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in my opinion well well and you you got Kevin Owens too champion longest reigning champion universal universal but uh, it's going to be interesting, though, because it kind of plays into the whole thing with what's going on between The Miz and Daniel Bryan. Like, now that Jack Swagger, I mean, obviously compensation, you know, trading, you know, Jack Swagger for The Miz is kind of like um, trading Heathcliff Slocum to get Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe, in my opinion. You know, it's just not a fair trade. But, I mean, it, with everything that's going on with Daniel Bryan and The Miz, and they're talking about his contract and he wants to renegotiate, you know, he he could go to Raw... I think it would be kind of stupid if that's what ended up happening, or if they're going to just trade it, him it, and maybe get like Cesaro in return. But. Well, maybe there's not even a trade. Maybe it's just Swagger's raw contract was up, so he he signed with SmackDown. Isn't that kind of interesting though? Like his raw contract ended that quickly after the draft, and then ends up on SmackDown. There are certain things with professional wrestling that I'll let go. This is one of those things where I'm like, on all right, I'll I'll let it go because right. nobody wants Jack Swagger. I like Jack Swagger. I like Jack Swagger, but nobody wants him. He, it, he's almost like a poor man's Dolph Ziggler where, like, you know what? Like, I used to kind of care about him. He He's good in the ring and, and what have you. I really preferred when it was him and Cesaro together as a tag team. But, I mean, injuries and bad timing and what have you happened with that. But with Swagger, it's like, you know, you start to care about him and then, you know, they either pull the plug on whatever he's doing, uh, he gets injured. Uh, I mean, he's injured a couple of guys. I'm sure he didn't mean it, but like things like that to me have kind of staled me on Jack Swagger. I don't love him anymore, I, and when I see him in the ring, I don't take it seriously too much. See, I just really hope that they bring back the Swagger Soaring Eagle because that was like the greatest thing that they ever did in the WWE. In my, at least in my 28 years that I've been watching professional wrestling, the, the Soaring Eagle with Jack Swagger was just fantastic. I mean, it ultimately led to a match between the Soaring Eagle and I think it was El Torito or was it Hornswoggle? Um, uh, I don't remember. It was one of the two. I want to say it was Hornswoggle. And it's just, you know, that's just great television. It's stupid and it's like, I love stupid shit. So it's like, it worked. But that's, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that and that's just my opinion on that. All right, so we had a, a bunch of ladies in a match uh, trying to set up the SmackDown women's title match. Which is held by my future ex-wife, Becky Lynch. Well, which one of your future ex-wives won this one? Alexa Bliss. I was actually going to get into it. You were going to talk about how the, the five women were Alexa Bliss and Natty Neidhart and Naomi and Carmella and... Uh, John Cena's cum dumpster were in a match together, and you know, and ultimately Alexa Bliss 
was the winner of that, so she's going to be fighting Becky Lynch. So at Clash of Champions, it's going to be Alexa Bliss versus... Uh, not at Clash of Champions, at the next SmackDown pay-per-view. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that. Uh, well, next, I mean... Y- y- uh, Unforgiven, I forgot. I, I should be forgiven because it's Unforgiven. Right. That it's going to be Alexa Bliss versus um, Becky Lynch, and whoever wins that match will be my first ex-wife. That, that's very exciting for you. Um, again, <laughs> I, I like that they keep the women prominent. It, it's good to see, good to know that, like... You know, this isn't a flash in the pan. They're actually getting behind this. And I've been saying this for weeks. I think they're building an awesome base overall right now with the company where if they're going to have a boom, like like I was saying last week, it may not necessarily be in the United States. It might be in different parts of the world. Right. But, you know, they've got a lot of great performers. They've got a lot of great people on the mic. And, you know, they're finally kind of giving the fans what they want. It's not the same old, same old where we get Randy Orton and John Cena. I mean, well, we'll get into John Cena in a minute. But, you know, we're getting different things. It's the new era, and they're actually going forward with the new era and not resting on the laurels of Super the past. Cena. Yeah. So, well, although, although we'll be bringing that up later. Well, I'm... Might as well bring it up now. I mean, I don't want to talk about it though. So uh, Super Cena made his return to uh, SmackDown Live. And I threw up. Y- you know what? The guy puts on pretty okay matches. I mean, he calls his spots too loudly, where you could hear it audibly, and it's like, John Cena, come on! Your punches suck too, and your uh, very painful submission maneuver to end matches looks like it's more painful for you. It looks like you're trying to squeeze a turd back in. <laughs> but, like, outside of that, like, the crowds are into his matches. Uh, he puts on mostly solid stuff. I wish he would work on his punches and things like that. But, you know what? The guy's been on top for over ten years, I guess. I mean, why mess with the winning combination? John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. So he returned in a tag match. Well, he returned and immediately, you know, after Shane McMahon was cutting Playa. a promo, he was he was talking about how he was going to give Dean Ambrose his opportunity for a one-on-one match with AJ Styles, the new reigning, defending, undisputed WWE World Champion. And then he's like, oh, well, by the way, it's not going to be a triple threat match because we're going to put John Cena in there because that's what makes the most sense. And, you know, it just kind of made Shane McMahon look like somebody who's a hypocrite or a contradictor. Yeah, that's where, not a new era at all. Yeah, it's that's just not like... That's new thoughts. That's, and, then, and then, like you said, you brought up the player part, and it's like, all right, he did his best Teddy Long impression, and he put uh, AJ Styles with a, a partner of his choosing against the team of John Cena and Dean Ambrose, and... AJ Styles did go backstage trying to find partners, and you know he asked Baron Corbin, and he shot him down and said, "I'd rather be your opponent and take your title than be your partner." He asked, I think it was Kane as well. You, you know who he should have probably asked? He should have asked Rhino. You know, Rhino does have a have a reputation for just accepting tag team matches. I mean, if AJ Styles had called me and asked me to be his tag team partner, I would have been his tag team partner. But what we got, we got the gift. The gift of James Ellsworth. And that, that led to some controversy as well because Mick Foley was, sa- was stating that, you know, they were stealing raw talent on SmackDown and he was giving Daniel Bryan some shit 
First of all, James Ellsworth is not talent by any means. He's a guy who got his 15 minutes of fame by cutting a stupid promo where he talked about his, you know, any guy with two hands has a fighting chance and then gets Gronk spiked a minute and a half later. And I'm and one of the greatest moments on Raw in the past 25 years. One million two hundred and forty seven thousand three hundred and eighty six times I've now officially watched that video by awesome. the way awesome uh so uh James Ellsworth was out there and uh promptly got himself uh replaced. beat up by the Miz replaced replaced by the Miz yep he got he got attacked from behind and then the Miz hit him with a skull crushing finale on the on the ramp uh somebody who will be in this podcast a little later on will tell you that it was one of the greatest moments for him, seeing James Ellsworth getting depleted like he did. So, uh, you know, they're, they're moving the story forward. I don't like how they just insert it, John Cena back into things like they did. Um, I know that they got a pay-per-view and they're trying to get people to watch it, so John Cena does sell tickets, does get people to watch, whether you like him or hate him. You know what? I, I just wish there was a better way they... Did it? They were just. It was to me lazy booking. They couldn't find like a like a group of orangutans to throw in the steel cage with John Cena, or like a hippopotamus, or you know, like the Loch Ness monster, or uh, or uh, you know, Bigfoot. They they couldn't find any of those just to throw against Cena because you know he's going to beat them anyway. Yeah. Sorry. But you know that that was SmackDown and it was fine. Again, brought some stories forward. Some. Some stupid booking, some lazy booking, uh, but you know you're not always going to knock it out of the park. And I thought they did fine for what they did. So uh, let's move on to you know the best thing of the week, the cruiserweight classic. I thought you were going to talk about Bobby Roode's glorious appearance on NXT. We could talk about Bobby Roode's glorious appearance on NXT too. I thought it was fantastic. You know he got his glorious entrance. He fought No Way Jose. They had a pretty good match. Bobby Roode ended up on top, like nobody's really surprised about. I'm happy with the way that they're handling Bobby Roode. It's just, it's glorious. I know you had made a comment to one of the announcers about how it should have been called the R O O D E Awakening, yeah, as, as kind of homage to Rick the neckbreaker of ravishing Rick Roode. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did that move, and it's like, oh, come on, call it the Roode Awakening. That's what it is. Right. So, I mean, I thought it would have been interesting to play off that a little bit, but... Nay, glorious. You, they they had an interesting uh, interesting match, uh, and, you know, it, it's good to see that Bobby Roode is uh, being pushed, you know, pretty good, pretty hard. His entrance is awesome. Everybody sings along to that song. Fantastic stuff. It's it's excellent, and he's an awesome addition to the NXT family. Something else that happened on NXT I, I really wanted to bring up, too, was the whole Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura. That was fantastic. You know, they cut a little promo. You know, Joe was out there cutting a promo at the beginning of the show, and he was talking about Nakamura. He came out. They were talking about their match at NXT TakeOver, and then Joe said, when I get healthy, I'd like to get the shot. Nakamura agreed to it. Joe walks away. You, you and know. you think he, like, you know, Re mutual respect, and yeah. it's like going, oh, is Joe going to, is he turning face here? And we got the answer pretty quickly. In, in the words of Wade Barrett, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. As Nakamura was walking up the ramp, and he was standing at the top of the stage, and he's holding the title, Joe attacked him, beat the snot out of him. And then well, there was one part there, like when Joe hit him the first time, it looked like he 
fell into one of the staging lights, which looked right. like it sucked. But, uh, yeah, Joe freaking beat the holy hell out of him. And he ended up getting uh, taken out in a stretcher, Shinsuke. So uh, hopefully it's a it's a speedy recovery for you, Nakamura. Love to see you get back in the ring. You're one of the more entertaining guys. You're one of Bobby the Brainless's favorite guys in all of WWE between NXT and the WWE itself. Well, they did a great job of building this story for... Uh, Honestly, I think maybe they'll do continue this as an injury angle and not have the match on NXT. It's going to be a uh, NXT uh, Takeover Toronto, which is Survivor Series weekend, so a couple of months away. But that's one thing I enjoy about NXT because it's only an hour of TV. They could really kind of draw out these feuds and not make it feel rushed. Right. So I, you know, this is a thing like they were building Nakamura and Joe for. Uh, NXT uh, TakeOver Brooklyn, and they built that pretty good over a few months, and now they have another few months, you know, after Joe has beat the holy hell out of him to really kind of ratchet up this feud, and, you know, they did the first NXT cage match uh, not that long ago, maybe they end up at Survivor Series having some sort of, uh, you know, blow off to this feud where, you know, it's weapons and what have you, maybe it's like a no-holds-barred match or, a or maybe last-man standing, something like that. A flag match. Yeah, so... Although, I don't know if the island of Samoa has a flag. Uh, it's all right. We'll give them a Southern California flag. There we go. A nice USC flag. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, you know, the, the, that was good stuff. Um, I forgot. They had a women's match. Uh and one of the ladies, uh, what the heck's her name? Aaliyah? Ma- no, it was not Aaliyah. It was, um... I don't know, but Liv, she was... Liv Morgan was in the Liv match. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, like, you know what? She had a lot of fire. I like that. And she was going against uh, Paul Ellering's daughter. I forget what her uh, wrestling name is, but... That's how I remember her as, Paul Ellering's, Ellering's daughter. daughter. So, they had a match, and, you know, honestly, I thought... His daughter, Paul Ellering's daughter, was going to go over because it's Paul Ellering's daughter. It's not like he's a Hall of Famer or anything. Right. Well, the thing was, is I was was surprised to see Liv Morgan win. But, you know, as I've been saying for a little while now, they need to rebuild up that NXT women's division. And you could... It's one woman at a time. I mean, they have Ember Moon, who they had make a very impressive debut. But really, they have... To me, no legitimate contenders to Asuka because, I mean, she obliterated everybody. Everybody, you know, from Bailey to Nia Jax. Jax. I mean, Carmella. Carmella. Uh, Alexa Bliss. Everybody. Yeah. She annihilated them. And those were, you know, the people who built up this division. So if she beats all them, you need to have these other people be built up to be something before it'll feel like something real. So right. I think, unfortunately, we're going to see Asuka in some squash matches for a little bit. That's okay. I'm I'm all right with that. You know my opinion on squash matches. I like squash matches. I don't love champions being in squash matches, but, you know, yeah. it's fine. True. Uh, and the Authors of Pain did something. I, I They I, won a squash match, too. Yeah, they, they beat the crap out of whoever they were going against. Uh, I'm sure they got participation trophies in a check for about $100. Yeah, yeah. So that was NXT in a, on a, on the whole. So that was, uh, you know, they put some storylines forward. They're building up 
some new females. So let's uh, let's uh, see what they do going forward. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to next week. Me too. Moving on to the cruiserweight classic, which has been the best hour this I mean, week, two hours. This week, two hours. But prior to this week, it was the best hour of wrestling every single week. And, you know, we made our predictions for the Cruiserweight Classic Championship, who we thought was going to win, who was going to be in the championship. And and we were wrong on all accounts. I mean, I, I've never been more wrong in my life. And I'm not I'm not upset that, you know, we, we were wrong with this. It You know what? They had awesome matches. Honestly, I thought the semifinal matches were better than the final. Uh, nothing wrong with the final match, but the semifinals were a well, little bit better. Well, the better wrestlers lost in the semifinals, in my opinion. I think Zack Sabre and Kota Ibushi were definitely the at the forefront of the cruiserweight tournament. They were the guys who were the favorites to win it. I mean, I said Zack Sabre was my pick to win the whole thing. Yeah, that was both of us. So, and, yeah. and, and the fact that they both lost in, in the in the semifinals was kind of a head-scratcher. At I mean, first. At, at first, but now everything's starting to make sense, you know, with... Guys like TJ Perkins and Graham Metalik are both going to be part of the Cruiserweight division on Monday Night Raw. Signed to WWE, and then you find out Triple H comes out, makes a surprise appearance after those two awesome semifinal matches, and says, oh, by the way, whoever wins this is going to be the Cruiserweight champion going on to Monday Night Raw. I, I even tweeted at Triple H and told him what an awesome job that they did with this Cruiserweight Classic. This was fantastic i would give it a you know i would even say it was a 10 out of 10 and i'm i'm one of those shrewd uh rate rating people you know i'm i'm not somebody who just gives somebody something a 10 just because it is you know i'm a very shrewd writer yeah you know, he yeah he's he's the closest thing to a 10 but uh i gotta say this was a 10 out of 10 they did an awesome job with this cruiserweight classic Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ranallo did an awesome job at the broadcast team. And they got better as the week oh, went yeah. on, too. And, and Corey Graves, as, as like I said before, the Ryan Seacrest of the Cruiserweight Classic. It was very entertaining, very knowledgeable. The, all three of them did a great job at it. All the wrestlers, it was great matches every single week. I was not disappointed at all during any part during this tournament. I was greatly entertained. Obviously, we said that it was T.J. Perkins and Grandma Talik fighting for the you know the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament Championship and also the Cruiserweight Championship. T.J. Perkins, also known as the uh, what was he? Huh? When he was with TNA, he was um. I I don't remember. Suicide. Oh, he, he was one of several suicides. There were many suicides. But you know that in the, in the, in the, after that that tournament happened and he won and there was uh, pictures circulating of. Uh, Oh, God, I'm having a brain fart right now. This is why they call me brainless. Uh, so, I mean, Cruiserweight Classic. I mean, one. my overriding thing with the Cruiserweight Classic is I like that they had a combination of guys who wanted to be in the WWE and guys who didn't. So, you know, there were guys going out there specifically not trying to impress anybody. They were just doing what they do, which I think led to them kind of giving zero fucks about whether or not they were impressing anybody backstage or wrestling the WWE style. They wrestled their style, not trying to, you know, be something that they're not. And it it made, honestly, it made a lot of the matches we see on Raw and SmackDown look so vanilla. They add little nuances in there that really took those matches up 
like 20 notches. And like you and I have both said in the past that what made Monday Nitro such a flourishing show on Monday nights when they were competing with Monday Night Raw was the fact that they had the Cruiserweight division there with the likes of, you know, like we said, Jericho, Malenko, and all those guys. They were the most entertaining matches. They they had some of the best wrestlers in, in that division and everything. That's why I think it's going to be such a strong component to the Monday Night Raw show that you're going to have these guys, especially like the TJ Perkins, who, I'm a, who I became a fan of during this tournament, you know, Grandma Talik, uh, Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, Noam Dar. I know I'm forgetting some guys, but that's okay. But those guys, are they're all going to be part of the division. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Oh, the Brian Kendrick. How did I forget about him? But I think it's great. I think it's going to be an awesome addition to the Monday Night Raw show. I'm really excited to see where this goes from here. I'm really excited to see how they're going to, you know, introduce the Cruiserweight division to Monday Night Raw tomorrow. I hope they have, like, little vignettes for each of them. So, like, the people that they're not familiar with. I mean, for the most part, there's a large audience who watches the network. I mean, obviously, looking at all the NXT talent that's debuted on Raw or or a pay-per-view or SmackDown, you got the crowd, like, the first day Enzo and Big Cass came out, everybody knew every word of, you know, their shtick. Right. You know, just like when Bailey shows up or anybody shows up, they know who they are. There's a large portion of the audience who already know these people, but there's still, you know, the casual fans who just don't know. So I think it would be good if they kind of had, you know, showed a recap briefly of the Cruiserweight Classic, but had like a vignette, you know, I don't, they can't do everybody's vignette the first week, but, you know, TJ Perkins, you know, he has a really good story, and I think they could, you know, start because he's the champion telling his story. And the, and the funny thing is they really don't have to do much with Brian Kendrick because a lot of the older WWE fans, guys like you and I and the guys in our age group, you know, in the 30s and the in the late 20s and everything, they're going to know who Brian Kendrick is. They're going to know that he was Spanky and the Brian Kendrick and he worked in the WWE and was at one point the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions with Paul London, Paul London the fired guy for smiling. So, I don't even think he needs one. He could just come out, and I'm sure he's going to get the biggest reaction of anybody. So, uh, I think they've got a lot of good things going, and I hope they continue this. I hope they don't change their style too much to suit the WWE style. I want them to keep wrestling how they've been wrestling. All right, so on the fucking Marks podcast... Uh, we have a special guest, uh, our, our good friend Sean O. We've known him for a long time. He's uh, ringing Too up many for, years. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've known Sean for over a decade now. We work together, and, you know, we're both uh, wrestling fans, and uh, Sean works a bit in the squared circle, and, you know, he, he announces uh, wrestling matches and, you know, we talk a lot of old school wrestling with him. He's a good it's dude. Been, this is going on like almost ten years that I've been doing this. Wow, it's been it's 2016. I started about 2007. So uh, started in New England with Top Rope Promotions was the uh, first promotion where I actually got to work in wrestling. Uh, however, I will say that I will give credit to Bob Evans of, Ring, of Brutal Bob Evans of current Ring of Honor fame, that where I announced. My first match for his promotion at Eastern Pro Wrestling, 
uh, which is no longer around, but uh, gave me a shot. It was a show in Menden, Massachusetts, in front of 50 people at a church. And uh, I was nervous as hell, I will tell you that. But, uh, you know, I will say that I've been blessed to, you know, do this for almost 10 years and, you know, working with a lot of great names and uh, been in front of as little as 12 people to as much as 6,000 people. Uh, going from a 50-people church in Menden, Mass., to 6,000 people in New York City. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. And I will say that, you know, the fans are great. And, uh, you know, the fans keep me going. And I I can say that I think the fans keep the, the wrestlers going, too. Uh, because, you know, just the, the response that the wrestlers get, that the announcers get, that the referees get... Um, kind of gives you a little bit of the adrenaline rush. So, uh, well, with I enjoy I enjoy the it. roads a lot. The open roads. I mean, it's kind of a lonely and long. Where yes. like you finally get to the place and having the crowd chant for you, or like you know, just really being into what you guys are doing. I, I'm sure it helps make the the long roads a little more tolerable. It does, and you know. Honestly, it's like, who cares about the ring announcer? But the ring announcer is the first person that the people see. The first thing that the people see is the ring. The first person they see is the ring announcer. The ring announcer should look the part. Should have the suit, whether it be a suit with a shirt and tie or a tux. Now, I don't wear a tux. I don't own one. I wear a suit. Um, I wear a simple black jacket black pants but i changed my shirts now how and, about the shit bags that we've seen out there who are like wearing like a regular joe oh, shirt oh i mean talk I about mean, something that just kind of freaking gets you going right away you're like you try to be professional about it and yes i'm gonna call i'm gonna call out a promotion right now next evolution wrestling they're based down in elizabeth city north carolina which is about an hour or so from here here in uh the norfolk area and I went to a show around Christmas time this past Christmas, so we're September, so probably about nine months ago. The ring announcer, who I understand is also one of the owners of the promotion, he shows up in the ring wearing dirty blue jeans, a black t-shirt with the name of the promotion on on the shirt, and a Santa Claus hat. Now, mind you, this is around Christmas, so you got the Christmas theme going on. They had a Christmas tree set up in the building, which was, I believe, a National Guard armory down in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Uh, not very big, but it was big enough for what for their purpose. And this promotion, as the same a lot of the promotions around this area, usually get the same fifty hundred people every show. They have loyal fans. I give them that credit. The fans love what they're putting on. I can't knock them for that. However. When I saw this ring announcer, uh, his ring name is Vax the Velvet Voiced Viking. What the hell? I've never heard in my life a ring announcer having a gimmick name, ever. And I had seen this guy one other time, because I had been to a show once previously, about, almost about a year ago now. now. Now, was that the Hampton Roads... No, no, no. Okay. This is um, this is a, a promotion called Next Evolution Wrestling, 
and they run, it seems like they run exclusively down in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. The Hampton Roads promotion, that's another promotion in Norfolk, that's uh, another issue, another story. Um, I wouldn't say it's an issue, but it's another story. But, um, so I go to this show in Elizabeth City, I happen to be down in the area, and I saw a sign that was out on the road, that was on the entrance road to where the building was. The sign was one of those large vinyl signs that you would see hanging outside of a convenience store, advertising like whatever the soda special was or whatever the beer special was for that week. And it's a sign that is put out by the distributor, like the beer distributor or the soda distributor. So they had this vinyl sign that had a Pepsi logo on it. And it was written up in magic marker, like a Sharpie pen. It said, Live Pro Wrestling... Down this road, National Guard Armory, 7 p.m. No name of the promotion, what it is, who's going to be there, nothing. It was so unprofessional. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is this? So, I went. I had been to one of their other shows. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to go. I'm, I'm already in the city. I'm just driving through. I'm just passing through on my way back to Norfolk. Like, I'll spend the hour or whatever, hour and a half. So... I show up there, and uh, I pay the $10 to get in. I didn't ask for a ticket. Nobody knows who I am, who, no, and who cares who I am. I'm a ring announcer. Who cares? I don't expect any. I Sure, no special treatment. You're just a, a, a fan of professional wrestling going it, to see a show. Exactly. I'm not asking for a ticket. I'm not trying to say who I am or anything like that. Nobody cares, And which I know that. So I show up. And I sit in the back row, and so I got there when the doors opened. The show was at 7.30. I got there about 6.30. So I'm sitting there, minding my own business, waiting for the show to start. So here comes the ring announcer. And I'm looking at this guy. Again, the blue jeans, the black t-shirt, and the Santa hat. I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So then... Now, while the ring announcer is... Trash bagger. Yeah. Now, I understand that this guy is one of the owners of the promotion, or is one of the bookers, or he has some type of say-so in what goes on. Maybe he's sleeping with somebody. Who knows? From what I understand, the woman that runs a promotion is some fat blonde broad. I don't know. Like, that shouldn't be anywhere near a wrestling ring. So, um, and she was the one collecting the money at the door, which I found out later. So anyway, so as the ring announcer is going through his spiel, like his pre-match spiel, there was a, a group of marks that showed up late. Now, would you call them fucking marks or just marks? Just, they were friends of some of the workers. All right. So. Trash bagger marks. Yeah. They were, they were friends of the workers that showed up late, whatever. So I'm in the back row and there was probably maybe about 10 seats in the back row and I'm by myself and so then this this quote usher slash security guard who didn't seem like he was very mentally stable um and I won't say the r word because I know people get offended but he asked, he tells me that I had to move out of my seat to make way for these other people that showed up late and I looked at him I said really I said you're going to make me get up and move to to cater to these people just because they showed up late 
so I'm looking, I'm like, you gotta be, I looked at him, I said, you're fucking kidding me, right? And he said, no. I was like, fuck, I was like, fuck you, dude. So, so I go over to a nearby, um, souvenir table, like somebody was selling t-shirts, and I looked at the guy, and he was somebody that worked for the promotion, I didn't know who he was. But then he said, I said, how do you, like, what is this? Like, you're making a, somebody that showed up an hour before the show, paid their money to come in and sit down, then you're making that person to, to get up and move so they can cater to a group of marks that showed up late that were friends of the workers, which they were, because I asked. I wound up asking later. And he says, I don't know, man. So so later I go up to the, to the quote, usher slash security guard, and I told him basically how unprofessional he was being, which he was. And then a couple of other ladies that worked for the promotion who were either wives of the workers or what, I don't know who they were. So they sheepishly and very rudely gave me a seat in the front row. I said, I don't want a seat in the front. I don't want a seat in the front row. I said, I want to sit where I was. And I said, it was unprofessional for what you did to make me get up and move. I said, you don't do that. Like, it's first come, first serve, which includes the front row. That's how you guys run your company. So they were pretty rude about it and didn't like being said, look, you were unprofessional. So the security guard was really nice about it later. I talked to him. I calmly talked to him later. I said, listen. I said, I've worked in wrestling for 10 years. I said, you can't do this. Like, when some, when it's first come, first serve, that's what it means. If you have to put more seats down for other people, then you do it. You don't make somebody get up and move like you did. He says, I know. He says, I know, but I'm doing what I'm told. I said, nobody told you to do that. I said, you did it on your own. But I said, just have some decorum and have some professionalism. I said, I kind of have an idea how wrestling should go. I said in terms of like seating people and stuff like that. So so then later when the women were like being very rude about it and they were trying to say I was blowing thing out, things out of proportion, I said, maybe I am. I said, but you know what? What you did was wrong. And I said, also, your ring announcer looks like shit, which he did. And they were like, how do you know that? And I said, I've been doing wrestling for almost 10 years. I, I said, I'm a ring announcer. I think I should know how a ring announcer should look. And... So I watched the show, and it was all right. I mean, there was a couple good workers on the show. A couple of them wrestle here locally in Norfolk as well. Yep. And um, one guy, he's a really tall, lanky, skinny guy, and I can't think of his name. Stir- I think it's Sterling Williams, I think it is. Um, one would think looking at him that he's a crackhead because he's just very thin and doesn't look like – it looks like he needs a sandwich. But I've seen him a couple times. The guy does a good job. And I think, Jay, you've seen him. I think you and I saw him together. I think we saw him together. You know. He's training. He's learning. Working his way. Working his way up. And I thought he did a great job. And I think he still does. Um, And I told him that to his face. Um, But just needs a little meat on his bones. But who am I to say anything about that? But, and I will say this, I don't take bumps. I'm not a wrestler. In fairness, who am I to say anything? Sure. But I like to think that I know what I like to see. <clears throat> but Well, and you have a different perspective of, like, 
what should go on. Like somebody like me, I, I'm I'm just a fan, and like I I spot things and I could kind of see things where I'm like on. Oh, well, that's a little messed up, but, like, I mean, I remember one time we were watching a wrestling match, and you're like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple seconds later, then all of a sudden, the referee is, I, I, he either put up, like, the X sign or or, or mm-hmm. something, I'm like, whoa. I mean, you just, you see things differently just because you've been closer to the action, you've seen all this right. stuff. And sometimes, like, I've even refereed a few matches sometimes when I, you know, a few times when I first started. And so I kind of, like, they kind of know what they're going to do. They have some kind of an idea, but I don't know everything. And even as the the ring announcer, like, sometimes I, I may not even know who's going to win the match. I just have to go with it. I have to pay attention. I have to watch. Because sometimes as the ring announcer, I'm also the timekeeper. Like, I'm ringing the bell at the beginning of the end of the match. I have to pay attention. I can't worry about talking to the fans in the front row or playing on my phone or anything. I have to watch the matches like as or the timekeeper you, would. You've been calling matches too. I've been calling matches at the same and time. And timekeeper and And yeah. So I'm involved in everything. Like I have to wa- I have to watch everything. I have to try to watch every single detail as much as I can. Um but going back to the Elizabeth City promotion, so um quickly so like, after watching this, th- that particular show, they had one referee on that show, and... Sucks to be him. Yeah, they had... I know. Like, that guy did every single match they had. I think they had nine matches on that show. And this was around December of 2015, so th- this is a few months back. But, um, so then, I was so disgusted at what I saw. Just, like, some of the wrestlers weren't good. I didn't think they had a few good guys. So... I had gone on their Facebook group, and I wrote a, pretty much a long review about how the ring announcer looked and how I was treated about the seating and this and that. So several people that run that group were responding under the same name, like under the name of the promotion, saying that everything I said was untrue. I said, no, it's not untrue. I said, you don't know how to handle your customers. You don't know how to talk to them. I said I should ask for my money back, but I didn't because you know what? I want that money to go to the boys to get for the boys to get paid. Well, and the thing is, is I hate when people try to cover their ass instead of like saying, you know what? Yeah, we we should have done this better. But exactly. They, they they sit there and they put up this front like we didn't do anything wrong. It's yeah. Like, you know what? Fess up to your bullshit and just say, you know what? We fucked up. People are more than willing to say, you know what? People make mistakes. It's fine. That, but, that was what I was looking for, and they didn't do that. So there was a, kind of like a lot of back, back and forth exchanges, um, like on the Facebook group, which they wound up blocking me from, you know, ultimately, because they were trying to say this, this guy's lying. And I said, look, I said, I work in wrestling. I've been doing it almost 10 years. And they tried to get me to say who I worked for, which I would not say, because I do not want to drag the promotion that I work for currently into that BS, because it, it would be unfair to them. Well, and, and, and you weren't there representing them. You were a Exactly, fan. exactly. And and the promoter of the promotion I work for, I've talked to him about it. I've told him about it. And they, they know. And I told him, I said, I wanted them to be clear. I did not drag the company into it because it has nothing to do with you. They were cool with that. They said, you showed up as a fan. Like, you're 
showing up as your as your yeah. your person and not the wrestling person. And so they kept trying to drag out of me who I worked for, and I wouldn't tell them. I said, it's none of your business. I said, but the thing is, I've been doing it longer than you, which I probably have. Um, but ultimately, they subsequently blocked me from the page, and they tried to say that I was telling the, you know, not telling the truth. So then, fast forward to me sending my quote review to a website called uh, Pro Wrestling Between the Sheets, a guy named Bob McGee, who I believe is in New Jersey. And I've seen Bob, but I've never met him. But I, I know I've seen him around. Um, but I've only communicated with him through email, like sending him results of shows that I've been on or shows that I've been to as a fan. So I sent him my, quote, review of this Next Evolution show about how I was treated about the seating and blah, blah, blah. He puts it up on his page. Well, guess what? He gets an email like a couple days later from the promoter, whose name I forget. Um, Shitbag. He, yeah, he totally was. But then, you know, Bob had alerted me to him getting an email saying that I was telling the truth and that he was going, then this promoter was going to, quote, he was going to seek, quote, legal advice against me because of a review that I had made about their event. So, basically, their promoter was going to, quote, try to sue me for me expressing my First Amendment right about a show. Well, they were probably going to say, you were slandering them. You weren't yes. saying the truth. Which, they're full of shit because I was telling the truth. And it never went anywhere. Like, how many times have, you know, there's been many times where people said, oh, I'm going to sue you. Sue me for what? Expressing my First Amendment rights? Expressing my opinion? Just because I work in wrestling, which I do very little now, having moved to Virginia, um, but... That doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. I can go to a show in Norfolk over here in the hood in some storefront where they have a court wrestling school and shit on their show, which I've done because it's shit. There's one good promotion here out of all of them that are in this area. One. Which one? I believe it's called Vanguard Wrestling. Is that the Virginia Beach? They run... They've had some shows, they think they run regularly at the Masonic Temple up on Granby Street in Norfolk. Um, that that facility, great little building. Um, they can get about 500 people in there, and they draw well. They do well, and I've been to a couple of shows, whatever. And they do a good job, and good for them. There's one other promotion where I that I haven't been to yet, and I can't think of the name of it. I believe they run up in Yorktown, um, and I can't think of where they run. But there's a couple others here like the next evolution wrestling that's Elizabeth city that Hampton roads, something, Championship wrestling. something wrestling. It's not good. Yeah. We went and, to a show. I mean, it, it, it was terrible. There was like one guy who looked like he was, he was a guy who would end up on TV and be a professional wrestler. Everybody else, like their stuff looked shitty. I mean, they don't I look like they've been trained. They don't look like they've been trained. There was one guy who's trying to throw work punches and just looked like he was frightened to throw a work punch. And yeah. it's like, yeah. how, how do you make it look real? Because, I mean, that's the thing. That's the art of it. You're trying to make it look like you're beating the shit out of the guy, and you, you're barely even touching him. It, it's like... Yeah. 
You know, the, the, it's they're, like you're bitch slapping. You're yeah. bitch slapping them. It's like you got to make it look legitimate. And I believe that was in Chesapeake. I think it was probably about maybe nine, ten months ago. I believe it was. But you, you see crap but, like that, and it kind of turns you off. You know, I almost want to go there, almost like a freaking Sharknado movie. Like, you sit there to watch the disaster or the shit show that it's going to be so you can make fun of it. Right. I'd like to add on to this a little bit. We haven't heard from you at all. Wait, wait. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You know, Jeez. um, Anyway. You know, I've only been down here a few months, down in the the Hampton Roads area of Virginia and everything. But I have gone to This is a beautiful area, though. I I, I will say this. This part of the country, I mean, you guys are from up north. I lived up north for 13 years. It's it is such a beautiful part of the country, and the people here are great. I will say that. The people here are awesome, and it's a beautiful area. I mean, Virginia Beach is here. The Outer Banks are an hour away. I mean, the Outer Banks are paradise in my mind. It's, it's just such a great area here. And those of you listening, wherever you may be, please let us know where you are because we want to know where you are. You could be in Virginia, you could be in Norfolk, you could be in Williamsburg, you could be in Richmond, you could be in California, you could be in another country for all we know. Let us know where you are because we want to. We just want to hear that. We want to know where our listeners are. I'd like to add on to what you guys were saying about the uh, independent shows that you've, especially like what you've been to, Sean, and how, Jay, you've been to some independent shows around here. I never, I haven't had the opportunity yet to go to an independent show here in Virginia. But there were a couple of shows I went to when I was living in the Northeast. One of the shows that I went to was absolutely terrible. One of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm actually kind of disappointed I actually spent the 15 bucks to actually go to the show. And the other show that I went to up in the Northeast, which I, wa- which I saw in Mass, was the first experience I ever had with Shawno. Was were, this it? Was this in Webster? This was in Webster, Webster, Massachusetts, Massachusetts which was a, it was a, in, which is about a, about an hour or so outside of Boston. I, I will say this about the two promotions, about what you were saying about how the announcer looked like shit in that show you saw in Elizabeth City and everything. Yeah, I went to an NEW show, Northeast Wrestling, up in. I it was a show in Waterbury. Yeah, their big yep. attraction for that show was Hacksaw Jim Duggan was going to be signing autographs. He was going to be teaming up with a guy from Waterbury. That my brother was it Ron was. Zombie? No, he was teaming up with Bull Dread, oh, who Lord. happened who happened to be a guy who went to high school Ugh. with my brother-in-law, which was the only reason we showed up. I'm sorry for your brother-in-law, but they they had Bull Dread, nice guy, nice to me. I worked with him a couple of times when I worked for Powerhouse Wrestling, Chris Sitaro up in Worcester, Mass. Nice guy. Go ahead. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to. Anyway, the ring announcer, like you were bringing up with the ring announcer earlier, the ring announcer was forgettable at this show. I couldn't even tell you who it was, what his name was. If I had to guess, I think he was like one of the promoters for the show. I don't think he was really like dressed to impress. Like he didn't have like the suit and tie, like you said that you come out with, and even the guys like in TNA and Ring of Honor and the WWE have done because that's the professional thing to do as a ring announcer. The show was forgettable. The highlight of the show was the fact that I saw Velvet Sky's thong. I mean, she's had, a cunt. And and I will say this. I will say this. Anyway, that was my experience with her, but it's been several years ago. But like you, you no, do she act- does a good job though. Like I, I give her that. But my experience with her was not good. But she anyway, pro- she promotes herself pretty well. She does. Yeah. 
But like, you I think she's a bitch. But that's just me. You you brought up Ron Zombie, which was yeah. kind of funny that you brought nice him guy. up. Nice guy, because he but, uh, great guy, good to me. Doesn't mean I have to like what he does in the ring, but, right. th- but he's been good to me. I will never forget that that was the one thing, other than Velvet Sky's thong being visible during her match, was the Ron Zombie match, because it was like a quote-unquote Extreme Rules match where he fought against, I don't remember what the guy's name was. But they actually took out the folding chair, put it in like the seating position in the ring, and Ron Zombie went running all against the ropes, and the guy kind of like tripped him, and Ron Zombie like hit the chair like he was supposed to do, but it looked so bad. That there was a 10-year-old kid, and I will never forget this, the 10-year-old kid was wearing a suit and tie himself. I don't know why he's in Waterbury. It's not the greatest area of, of the state of Connecticut. Was wearing a, sh- a suit and tie at a wrestling show at on Saturday night, and he goes, He didn't even hit the chair, Dad! <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever laughed harder in my life when he, that kid said that, but... <laughs> to the other show that I went to, it was a promotion that you were working for. I don't know if you want me to tell the the audience. That's fine. Big t- big it, time wrestling. It was big time wrestling, and, and we went to it, like you said, in Webster, Mass. Big time wrestling. Good people. Terry Allen, Steve Perkins, great people. And I will say, it took me a couple of years to get to announce for them. Uh, started with them doing doing camera work, and. Um, you know, they had seen my work in other promotions, and they knew what I could do. They knew I could do it, and um, you know, I'm fortunate to do their shows when I can. Um, and actually, we have some events coming up here later this week, which we'll talk about later. And about that promotion, they the the big main attraction for that one was Rob Van Dam, and it was right before Rob Van Dam had made one of his returns to the WWE, and they were kind of using that as their their you know launching point of yeah, how yeah, big this yeah. event was going to be cuz he was just going i th- i believe he was just going he had just g- got signed back to TV yeah and i believe that event was one of his last indie shows before going back yes it was i believe yeah and, and it was an outdoors it was at a football stadium yep. webster football stadium yeah yeah and they had guys like Bobby Lashley there yep, who lost yep. to a local jobber which i thought was kind of funny they had uh Angelina Love i think was her name she was the girl that was with Velvet Sky, right, Jay? Yeah, I think she was they there. Were yeah, the beautiful people. yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. I mean, I saw her and I was like, she was part of the beautiful people. I mean, she's okay, but I don't, I don't really see it. It was also the event, Jay, where I saw Hacksaw Jim Duggan and had no idea who the hell he was. Well, didn't you think that he was uh, the the janitor of the school? Okay, in my, in my, in my, <laughs> hold on, hold on. In my defense, after we had our little, because me and my buddy actually got the the VIP package where we got our picture taken with Rob Van Dam, got his autograph. You know, I got to meet Rob Van Dam. Super nice. Did you get to smoke with him? I, I, I tried, but I didn't have any weed on me. But, <laughs> you know, really cool guy. You know, he, he, he told me a story about, you know, somebody that, one of a previous show that he had done in New York. Really super cool, really nice guy. I, I'm glad I got to meet him. But after we had our little... You know, meet and greet with Rob Van Dam. We're walking over to the concessions before we sat down in our seats. And there's this guy coming down towards us. He's got like a scraggly beard. He's got his hair in a ponytail. He's carrying a garbage bag full of shit. It was probably his, it was definitely his wrestling gear. Had no idea who the hell he was. In a garbage bag? He had it, I swear to God, he had it in a garbage bag. Legit trash bagger. And, yeah. and he walks by me and my buddy, and he goes, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm like, hey, what's up? And I just kept walking. And my buddy goes, hey. And he goes, oh! <laughs> and I turn to my buddy, and I'm like, why did you do that? He goes, 
dude, that was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I go, you're full of shit, that was Hacksaw Jim He goes, I swear to God, that was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He's like, I did ho, and he stuck up his thumb, and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> to get back to my point with the show, was it was a show that you actually was... I announced that You show, were the I ring believe. announcer yes, for that, yes. and you actually, like you said, you looked professional. You had the suit and tie on. You were... You did a very good job as a, a ring announcer Thank for that you. show. I was impressed, and I'm not easily impressed. That's the way the that. ring announcer should look. You know, suit and tie or a tux. I don't own a tux. Don't never felt any reason to get one. Well, I mean, even but WWE guys, even during WrestleMania, don't wear a tux. They're they wearing wear suits. A, yeah, they wear suits. They only wear the tuxes like Hall of Fame. Yeah, they'll wear... I mean, let's face it. I looked up to Howard Finkel. Come on. Like who I wanted I wanted who right, who didn't? I wanted to be like Howard Finkel. Now, would I like to see Howard Finkel watch me announce? Yes, I would. And you know what? I'd be like and I would wait for his response if he ever gave me a reaction. Would I probably go up to him and ask him how I did? Probably not. Because I don't want to because that would make me look Well, like, you would be a fucking mark if you did that. Yeah, and that would make me look like a mark, which I'm not. We're, we're frucking marks. Right. But. We live the gimmick. Yeah. I go, like, they want, like, the promotions want me to do a show. I go in, I do the show, get my payday, and I go home. I don't mark out to the boys. I don't do any of that shit. Because they're regular guys like you and me. They're co-workers. Are they, are they stars? Are they names? Yeah. They're famous? Yeah. That's great. And when I first started out. The first time that I announced a star, I believe it was Brutus Beefcake, if I believe. If, I, if my memory is correct, it was Brutus Beefcake. Now, at the time, in my mind, was I marking out to him? Yeah. But you know what? I knew what it was to be professional and not mark out to it and blah, blah, blah. I knew that. Because I went up to him and say, hey, Ed, how you doing? I'm Sean. That, that's what you do. You don't mark out to him at... You know, ask him for photos in the in the back and trying to get autographs and all that shit. I see this all the time with a lot of workers, where you'll have a show full of names. All the indie workers are marking out to the boy, marking out to the names, trying to get autographs, trying to get photos with them in the back. What are you doing? Every time I see that, I want to grab somebody and just choke them. Like, what are you doing? You look like a fucking mark. Why? You're there to be professional. You're there to work. It's great that you quote know somebody quote somebody famous. That's great. I've traveled with Ric Flair. Woo! Rick has been good to me. I've been from Maine to South Carolina with that guy in the car. He's a, He's been good to me. Do I mark out to him? No. Because... Coworker, colleague, and that's... The relationship. That's what it is. And that's how I that's how I act towards him. And he knows that. Is Rick I'm Flair. sure he respects that, too, because I'm sure he has everybody, like, wanting to talk to him, wanting to take a picture with him, and the fact that you treat him like a human being and not, like, somebody that you could get a f- selfie with or whatever. I have one picture with me and Ric Flair together. We were, I forget what year it was. But, I, I uh, think I have a picture of you with him in the ring in Norfolk, but okay, but, uh, which but I'd like to, not... I'd like to see that. I I don't think I've ever seen that photo, but um, there's a there was the year where uh, Rick's son had passed away, and 
we had Rick booked for Hagerstown, Maryland, then Altoona, Pennsylvania. And the day that we were to run in Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, Reed had passed away. And and for obvious reasons, Rick was not there. So um, the next year, or how many months later it was, that we were able to bring him back to Altoona. And because uh, he did not make it to Hagerstown that one time, then Altoona, Pennsylvania was the next day, and obviously he wasn't there. Um, so whatever, how many months later, you know, the promotion promised the fans Ric Flair will be at the Jaffa Shrine in Altoona. The Jaffa Shrine in Altoona is like one of the great wrestling building. I mean, there's so much, so many wrestling matches that have been there, and we'll talk. We'll talk about Altoona later. Um, but um, my point is about photos is that go do the show, get Rick to the show. I announce the show, and he's so later after he does his thing with the autographs and so on, he goes to a local uh, sports bar called Champs, which is in Altoona, a nice place, and um. Then it was me and Rick and Dr. Johnny Wildside, who was a former indie wrestler from Pennsylvania out, out in the Reading area, a guy named John Stubner. And I knew Dr. Johnny when I was like 12 years old. And I had not seen him in years until that one year he showed up to Altoona. And he knew who I was, and he remembered me, and I had found him randomly on Facebook. And... So it was the point is that it was me, Rick, and John in the photo. That's the only picture I have with me and Rick. Did I really want to do the photo? Not really. Now see, John, John's a great guy. He does the four horsemen deal, like holding his hand up with the four. Rick does the same thing. I didn't do it. I didn't think it was appropriate. So I didn't do it. I stood there and smiled, took the photo. Because I was traveling with Rick, and I've known John for years. And I think John's an awesome guy. But I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to do the Four Horsemen 4 holding my hand up. Um, I just don't... I don't do that. I have. Do I have a photo with me in The Ultimate Warrior? Yes, I do. They would show that, that... That's a whole other story. I could get into that. But <laughs> but there's... Some other day. Yeah, there's some other day, and there's, there's money issues and financial issues, which I'm not privy to, to really... I'm not at liberty to even say because that has nothing to do with me. Um, but a few years back, there was a show where promotion I was working for brought in the, the Ultimate Warrior. They had him in Boston up in Roxbury and uh, in uh, Portland, Maine. So the second day... Uh, we were in Portland. The Ultimate Warrior does the autographs, and I went up to him when he was done going through all the people. I said, hi, Jim. I'm Sean. I'm the ring announcer. He's like, how you doing? And he shakes my hand. I was like, Jim, because I called him Jim, even though his, he changed his name to Warrior by then. Um, but I called him Jim. I said, Jim, do you mind if I be a Mark and have a photo? He was like, no problem. He shook his hand, took the photo. Was I a Mark then? Yeah, I was. But you know what? It's the fucking Ultimate Warrior. You, you know, know he's like, one of those guys. The uh, while he was still alive, the dude barely went out and did wrestling events. He, he did, just yes. kind of like it, it was very spotty, like here and there. So like when you see him, I mean, it's not like you know. I know with you, you've done a ton of shows with like Jake the Snake, and you've done. I mean, Jimmy Snuka, Jake the Snake, Roberts. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man. I've been Rock on the and ro- Roll Express. Rock and Roll Express. I've been on the road with the Honky Tonk Man. 
I could tell you stories about his his rants on the road. Um, rock and rolls, beautiful Bobby Eaton, Jim Cornette. I've worked with. I yeah, mean, I mean, you you're talking it. like I mean, the who's who of Matt and Jeff Hardy, the EC3, Van Vader, Big Van Vader. Been on the road with that guy. Um, yeah, so I mean, also very nice all, guy. You have all these guys that you've met, and you know. Your thing is not getting pictures. Your thing is, like, you're working with them, and you know what? For you, it's more important to have the memory of, you know, the interactions with them versus having a picture and posting it somewhere. Right. I I don't care to do those things. I want, I want to work with these guys, and for the most part, you know, the guys have been good to me, you know? Sure. Um, and I like working with them. Well, you know, and what's your favorite part, though, like, of doing the ring announcing or... or helping these guys, like, with the travel and what have you. What's your favorite part? Is it being in the ring? Is it, you know, helping, uh, you know, paper the towns, uh, promoting the event? Or is it, like, meeting with the fans? What it? I like all of it, if that makes sense. I like all of it. I, 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 mean, li- I like meeting the people. I like talking to the people. Um, I will say, you know, the fans down south are better to deal with than the people up north. Um the people down south, they still believe. They still believe the gimmicks. They're, they're a lot more... Even just people in general here down south in this part, you know, further south, North Carolina, South Carolina, they're just easier to talk to. Where, as the people in New England, they, they have this self, sense of self-entitlement. Right. Um, which I don't like, and I never like that. Um, however, when, you know, when I first started, when I was working for Top Row Promotions, I was... Steve Ricard's ring announcer for seven years. And, you know, I, I became friends with a lot of the fans. And they just knew me as Sean O, and they knew who I was. They knew how I was as a person. And, you know, I still have people that ask me to this day. I've been away from New England almost two years and been away from Top Row Promotions longer than that. Um, and, you know, and I, I think highly of Steve Ricard. Like, he's a good guy. Like, he, you know, I was worked for him for seven years, and I consider him a friend. Um, the way things ended with him wasn't so good, but that's water under the bridge now. But, um, you know, the people here, down down here are much better. They they they, they love the sport. They they love the gimmicks, and, and they, they still believe. Well, uh, I, I love that you just called it a sport. It is a sport. These it guys is. are athletes out there. Yeah, it's predetermined, but these guys are going out there literally risking their lives. They're getting their asses kicked. Let's face it. And I one, mean, one of the things I have a problem with, just to add on to this, is the fact that people who call it fake. It's not. Re- wrestling is not fake. It's scripted. If you call wrestling fake, you deserve to get your ass beat. I'm sorry. And I, I would want to see I would, I would want to see somebody like Matt Hardy beat the shit out of you. I'm sorry. I would. I want to see Rebby Sky beat the shit out of you. Because she would. I'd love to get my ass kicked by Rebby Sky. Oh, I'm sure. She's 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 a fiery Latina, let me tell you. But you know what? She's fiery. She's always been good to me. She, I've seen her in the worst of moods. And she'd always come up, Sean, how you doing? Give me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. She's always been good to me. But anybody that calls professional wrestling fake, you step in the ring with a guy like Matt Hardy. You step in the, in the ring with an old school guy like guy like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, like, or, Finley is famous for... Finley. Finley beat the fuck out of you. I'm sorry. He got in my shit... got in my face in Maine one time. Because he... he I forget what the, the whole details of that story, but he got in my shit. 
because he felt that I made a mistake, which I didn't do. But, but uh, you know what? That guy demands respect. Like I, he I've does. heard stories about like how he broke somebody's thumb because the person called wrestling fake. He's like, "Oh, you think it's fake? Uh, give me your, give me your hand." Yeah, and he broke the guy's I finger be- yeah. just just for the hell of it. Yeah. I mean, disrespected what he did. He disrespected the disrespected what he did and what disrespected the business, and you don't do that. Now, if you go back how many years ago, the the Doctor D David Schultz incident with John Stossel and ABC, when they did the the thing at Madison Square Garden, when Doctor D David Schultz slapped the shit out of John Stossel, he says, he says, I think this is fake. David Schultz slapped the shit out of him twice, ruined John Stossel's hearing. That wasn't fake. Slapped the shit out of him. You know what? He fucking deserved it. I'm sorry. What about when uh, Darren Drozdoff, uh about 10, 15 years ago, he was got paralyzed in a, in a match against D'Lo Brown? Yeah. You can't. That's not fake. Ask Tyson Kidd. A, more recent him. Ask, I mean, ask Steve Austin, who got dropped on his head by Owen Hart. Owen Hart, a great wrestler. I was a big Owen Hart, Mark. I'm not going to lie. But you know what? Mistakes happen. Yeah. Could it have cost us? It could have cost Steve Austin his life. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he got dropped <laughs> on his head. I mean, these things happen all the time. And it, it's just, you know, for a long time, I mean, people have really looked down on professional wrestling as a lesser art. And you know what? I think a lot of people just don't understand it. And they think it's like lowbrow. Yeah, there's some lowbrow stuff to it, but it's entertainment. Look at it for what it is. But these guys are out there putting their life and bodies on the line. Same with the women out there. Mm-hmm. Putting their life and body on the line to entertain you. So show some damn respect. That's what I say. And I think, again, with the fans is that it goes back to what I like. Is like I, I like the fans' response um, more so here down south than I do up north. Um, I think... The fans are a little more up north. They're a little more, you know, have a sense of self entitlement that they think they're entitled to something. And if they see, of course, they if they see something they don't like, they're going to shit on it. Okay, fine. You paid your money to come see, you know, to come see it. And if you don't like something, yeah, say so. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I think the people down south, where the first event that I did down south, I believe. I believe was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. It was in 2013. And I remember being at the historic Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium, which we'll talk about in a second uh, event coming up this week. Um, it was in 2013, and I remember announcing a six-man match. It was uh, Mr. T.A., I believe it was Bam Shaw, and I can't remember who the third partner was. Maybe it was Benny. Maybe it was Benny. And excuse me, they were their opponents were the Rock and Roll Express and Jimmy Valiant. God bless Jimmy Valiant. In his seventies and still gets in the ring. Runs a wrestling school out in Western Virginia. God bless that guy. One of the nicest guys I've ever met and worked with. But the thing was. You know, I'm in the Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium in front of 1,600 people, sold out. I believe it was 1,612 was that attendance. It was in February of 2013. Sold it out. They hadn't sold that place out in wrestling in 10 years. 
until Big Time Wrestling came there. And the place went nuts when I said the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, the Rock and Roll Express. The place went freaking nuts. They think they were so they were back in the eighties. They loved it, and I couldn't get over. I, I mean, it's three years later, but more than three years later, they love it. And you see Ricky Morton do a wrist lock. They went nuts. Well, I mean, it, it goes a little bit into the the thinking of, you know, when WCW died all those years ago, 15 years ago now, there were a lot of fans from this area who just kind of felt left out in the cold. They didn't like what WWE was offering. Right. And yeah. they kind of, they just don't pay attention anymore. But the people that they watched growing up, those people still get their attention. So I think that's why, you know, you get that reaction because... It's a lot of people who probably haven't been watching wrestling for 10 or 15 years, but they want to see, you know, the heroes they grew up with. Right. And that's what a promotion, I believe, like Big Time Wrestling is doing, is that they have had uh, quite much success down here in the southern states, here in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And that fast forward to what I wanted to talk about now coming up this week, uh... Big so you got some shows. We do. Uh, big Time Wrestling. Uh, actually, tonight here, I believe I believe today is Saturday when we're uh, yeah, taping this uh, show. Uh, they're up in northern New Jersey tonight uh, with Sting. Um, however, this coming week uh, here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I believe the Thursday is the 22nd. If I can get my information correct yeah, here, uh, which I which I don't, so, but hey, you know what? I'm looking it up here quickly. Uh, just make I want to get my T's crossed and my eyes dotted really quick. Right. Uh, September 22nd, which is coming up Thursday night, uh, down in Morganton, North Carolina, at the Colette Street Rec Center, which is right downtown Morganton. Uh, Big time wrestling has been quite successful there. I believe this will be their fourth event there, uh, and uh, coming up uh, this Thursday. Uh, the Nature Boy Ric Flair making his return to North Carolina. Uh, Flair country. Yes. Woo! Oh, yes. You talk about how many women Ric Flair has in North Carolina. He owns that state, let me tell you. Even Michael Jordan has admitted in the 80s, at least the 80s, and through North Carolina is not Jordan country, it's Flair country. Of course it is. Absolutely. And you're talking the greatest basketball player of all time saying that Ric Flair is the man. And Ric Flair's a big Michael Jordan mark. Ric Flair loves Michael Jordan, and he loves Tiger Woods. Ric Flair, surprisingly, to me, when I first told me this on the road, he's a big golf mark. I never realized that. But he loves Ty- he loves him some Tiger Woods. But Hey, you know anyway, what? He's just a person, too. Yeah. But if you want to come to Morgan, North Carolina this Thursday, talk to Ric Flair about Tiger Woods. He'll talk to you all day. All right, uh, see, you know what? You're not getting that anywhere else. Right. Nobody else knows that, you, you know, unless you actually know Rick, which, exactly. I mean, dr- driving up and down the roads like you have with him, you get to know the dude a little Rick's, bit. So. Rick's been good to me. I, w- I will say that. He's been very good to me, and uh, and I, I love working with the guy. And it's it's great to travel with him, and I'll be traveling with him, uh, not this coming week, but uh, probably November towards Thanksgiving, uh Hopefully I'll be back on to talk about what's coming up in November, um, what big time wrestling is doing. Of course, you, you know what? I think we're going to start 
recording our podcast on Saturdays, and we'll we'll have you whenever you want. Because I'd like to try to get get the word out and um, get people to come, and hopefully, you know, with more the promotion of the shows, we have add to the listenership of this show and get some people to do a little driving if they, if they can, um, if they're physically able to get there. And uh, so I, hopefully I will do that. So again, we're talking about this coming Thursday, the 22nd. Uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair, we have Cody Rhodes coming to Morganton. Also, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So Rick, Ricky and Rick back together again. You remember their, their, uh, their great rivalry there in the 90s. Uh, also, in my mind, the uncrowned world heavyweight champion, Magnum T.A., will be in Morganton. Also, big-time wrestling heavyweight champion, Fleck Armstrong. Again, that's this Thursday night, the 22nd, in Morganton, North Carolina. Uh, the next night, Friday night, September 23rd, big-time wrestling returning to the historic Dorton Arena. Now, the Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina, has had such a huge wrestling uh, history and Ric Flair will be there along with the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff, Ricky Steamboat, Cody Rhodes. Uh, that Again, that's coming up on the 23rd in Raleigh. And on the 24th, Big Time Wrestling will be in Spartanburg, South Carolina at the Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium, uh, which is adjacent to Wofford College. On That's again, that's on Saturday, the 24th of September. And you will see Ric Flair, the Hardy Boys, the Nasty Boys, Ricky Steamboat, Cody Rhodes, and the stars of Big Time Wrestling. And we had a little bit of a technical glitch with uh, the last bit of our interview with Sean O. Uh, we appreciate him coming on the podcast, uh, giving us his time, a little bit of his insights, a little bit of his stories from the roads. Uh, it was awesome. We look forward to having him back. And if you are in the area and you get a chance, go down to the BTW shows, see Sean at work, see all the awesome wrestling action and with that said no fucking marks podcast would be complete without right now it is 601 days 601 601 days since curtis axel entered 2015 and that's how we always like to sign off for the fucking marks. I'm Ja Rule. I am Bobby the Brainless. And we will see you next week. Or you'll hear us next week. One or the other. I'll see you next week. <laughs>